Hello, and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm your host, Joe Prez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? Wolfens. Okay, that's a thing. I'm going to cut that out and use that for something later. That's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, so we're going to do a little bit about, well, I guess kind of different, but also the same of what we've been doing, as this is the first Lore Watch of our brand new year, 2021. Uh, yeah. Happy New Year! Uh, first of all, thank oh, you for before you get going, dude. Yeah. Um, if you missed it, we did a special 300th episode of the Blizzard Watch podcast, uh, where Matt McCurley came back and visited with us, and we kind of talked about everything. So you know, maybe go watch that if you haven't already seen it. It was fun. Highly, highly recommended. Uh, it was a good time, and I was actually going to say that like it was really good. It was the best way for us to to celebrate the ending of 2020. Uh, and give a little surprise to some of you that have been with us for a very, very long time with bringing uh, Mr. McCurley back for a uh, one-time engage. Uh, but we're going to do a little bit, uh, like I said, different but the same. We're going to answer some questions, but we're going to be a little more focused today. Today we're going to be talking mainly about the Jailer, and this is going to be uh, loose-ish. Basically, a recent quest had just come out that showed more information about the Jailer and kind of what he's doing, and it has led to some very interesting speculation, which we're going to definitely get into, uh, and we've chosen questions that sort of align with that, mostly. There's there's some here and there that are, are a little bit outside of that, but sort of loop back in. Uh, but the first one we're going to go with is we're going to talk about something from Tetsemi. Uh and this one is, well, there's a heck of a lore drop and a cutscene when you recover 15 of the Rune Carver's memories. Uh, question and spoiler to follow. And yes, there will be some spoilers here. So if you're listening, you don't want anything ruined for you. I'm sorry. I'm leaving. I'm not, I'm not having spoilers. No, I'm done. You have to show by yourself. Ah, well, I guess I'll just talk to myself for an hour. Uh, won't be any different than normal. Uh, so speculation. We're seeing a flashback memory from the Rune Carver of the Jailer coming to him and asking slash demanding his grandest design, which given the graphics of the models is the Helm of Domination and Frostmourne. Also, he says they were the secret the first one sought to hide. Now we have confirmation the Rune Carver knew how to create them. What other weapons slash armor do you think he crafted over the years? Uh, and there are a couple things here. Uh, that were sent along. There is a, a video of this exchange uh, as well as an image uh, which has sort of the specifics of the exchange between them, which I'll just read out real quick. Uh, the jailer says, look at you, pathetic puppet dancing on strings. Rune Carver, I will not break. I will not break. I will not. Jailer, fool, your mind is already broken, but even a broken thing can be made to serve. Countless secrets extracted, insidious designs forged into weapons for my arm, but I require more. Rune Carver screams in pain. Jailer says, your grandest design to claim the final prize, the secret that the first one sought to hide, yes, your finest mourn blade, and a crown fit for the king of the damned, the vessels of domination. So there's a lot to unpack there, but Matt, I think you had some uh, very specific takes on that one. First off, uh, Tets, I mean, I hate to once again be that guy, but you misread the statement. He doesn't say that the crown and uh, sword are the secrets the first one sought to hide. He said that they're the tools to help gain the secrets that the first one sought to hide. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can go back and just you listen to the, what Joe just said, you can tell he isn't saying that those weapons are from the first ones. He's saying that they will be used to help gain secrets from the first ones. How that's going to work, I don't know the answer to that question. Not even the the spoilery stuff we've got coming down the pipe from like the most recent stuff that we found out about uh, yesterday is going to tell us like exactly what the secret the first one sought to hide is. But it's clear that they he wants something. Uh, that much we, we have apparent. In terms of what other weapons might have been made by the, the Rune Carver, we have no idea. I gotta say, though, I'm gonna say this. Joe and I have both speculated in the past that the Rune Carver is the Primus. Yes. At this point, it's practically just waving a flag at us, screaming, it's the Primus! Uh, between the fact that we found out when you do the uh, the Maldraxxus quests, you know whether or not you even join the Covenant, it doesn't matter. When you do the intro quest, when you just go through the zone, you're, you find out that the Primus was the greatest of their weapon forgers. Uh, he was the greatest blacksmith. He was the greatest uh, runesmith that they had. Uh, probably the greatest in existence. And now suddenly there's this guy, this giant guy, chained up inside Torghast, making stuff for the you know the jailer. Uh, yeah, that that's definitely the Primus. I, I feel like that's practically inescapable at this point. 
And we, we knew, I mean, for, I'm also going to say that I find that calling it a Mornblade, that's a nice tip to Elric of Melnabone there, guys. Mm-hmm. If, if, if any time, I guess you couldn't call them Stormbringers. That would just be like, what? Why are they called Stormbringers? <laughs> but yeah, Stormbringer and Mornblade uh, being the two, the two rune weapons of, of the Elric series. Um, so that's that's pretty nice. That's also, a nice also a reference to Castlevania, as there was one in there as well. That's also a reference to Elric. It's mm-hmm. it's just a reference to Elric, maybe secondhand, but it's straight up a reference to Elric. Um, so that, that that's fun, and the fact that you know it, it makes Arthas going all white and albinoy looking, uh, more more texty, so to speak. It takes the subtext and makes it text. So, but what's really interesting is what we're finding out about Arthas through a lot of this, not just Arthas, but the ones before him. Do you, do you want to move on to that? Or do you think we should keep talking about the, well, I think this ties in a little bit with the video that was just data mined. And I think we should bring this up a little bit. So, or data mined or revealed or given in, in error. However, players got it. Uh, there is a f- another video with, which is an exchange between uh, Sylvanas and the jailer, the jailer having one of his minions make or, or craft or modify something. Uh, and then, present it to Arthur, uh, to uh, Anduin. And the interesting thing here is that, one, he's modifying Anduin's blade itself. Uh, two, he's pulling something out of either another dimension or somewhere else, and it's it's hard, there's really no indication of what it is to be placed into the blade that then changes it completely. Uh, and it ties in with what we're talking about here because there's this idea that it is a Morn blade. And it's not just that Frostmourne was the only Morn Blade. It looks like there's been several of them potentially. As we're going through Shadowlands, we get a little bit more of that. Um, it, it just seems that Frostmourne happened to be a Morn Blade, and it looks like at the end of this video, he's crafted or converted Anduin's weapon into a Morn Blade itself. It has that same cold, soulless energy, that siphoning stone at its center now. Uh, and it's fascinating because it puts it into at least in my opinion a a different perspective we always thought that frostmourne was a a very specific weapon it might not be it might just be a type of weapon and now you can go on and talk about you know how that affected arthas and 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 what we know about it from that but it it puts that into a maybe a little bit of a different perspective i don't know if it means it's i mean it's still frostmourne's still a unique weapon yeah, it is. But uh, Morn blades seem to be a kind of thing, much like rune blades. They seem to be a diff- like a step past that. And we need to find out more, obviously. We don't really know. There's a ton we don't know about what the heck is going on right now. Uh, but the, the scene you're talking about where they're there, I don't know if they made another weapon that looks like Varian's sword. No, you can actually or- see in the video that the, the fire from where he's working, the, the minions working on it, is red and then changes to blue. So it looks like it's... Yeah, I couldn't tell by watching the video. I'll be completely upfront. I mean, I, I watched it and I couldn't tell. But it definitely, it, it it's it's exactly the same look, except, of course, now it's got all these jagged evil runes all over it and it otherwise looks like a terrifying thing. But what's really interesting to me is that they don't just force it on him. He has to choose it. Yeah, they they're they're gonna torture him. I mean, that seems pretty obvious. If he doesn't take it up, they're gonna torture him until he does take it up. But you know, they did try to talk him into it first, and I, this has nothing to do with the jailer. But it is interesting, and I feel like it has to be at least mentioned when discussing this. the The parallels between Sylvanas and Arthas are getting even stronger mm-hmm. because that's like I think and Anduin. He doesn't actually come right out and say it. He sort of hints at it when he says, you know, oh, it's the choice you never got. Like Anduin, people forget how smart Anduin is. They forget, they, they know he's good and kind. They forget that he's smart. Yeah, he's he's incredibly observant too. Like he picks and, and Anduin very long. Anduin's a perfect example if you play a lot of D&D. Anduin's that guy with a good intelligence, like a 14, but a very high wisdom. Yeah, and and knows how to be empathetic with it, too. Like, that's the thing, like, his character has been built over the years, and we talk about this a lot, where he seems very reactive, very emotional, but that's that empathy. feeds off of what's around him, he understands, he feels what's around him, and that sort of plays into that moment, right? Like, he's, he's using his empathy, and he's using his intelligence to sort of hone in on this moment and be like, oh, oh, this is what's going on, okay. And it's, it's very much, 
I think by the end of this expansion, we're going to have a lot more about why it was so important for everything for Arthas to pick up the sword himself. And and because don't forget, that was a choice for Arthas, too. He was led to make that choice. That was the entire thing. It wasn't just, you know, go get this weapon and, you know, it, it'll do everything. It was, it was led down a very specific path to put him in a position where accepting that blade, he felt like was his only option. But it was and a choice. He, and straight up, he was warned, you know, so too must power scar the spirit. So there's a lot to this. I, I really, I'm very interested in, in finding out what the jailer is going for here. Like, why Anduin? Of, of all of them, why is it so important that it's Anduin? What is he trying to get out of this? That's the thing we still don't really know. I also going to say that I think it's fascinating. The, the, the fact that he goes after Bolvar. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does. Uh, that's one of the things that before and after the quest, there's a line the jailer says um, to Bolvar. He, he screams uh, something to the effect of, you were to herald my coming, instead you defied me. A failure like those who came before you. So pretty much every Lich King has been a failure from the jailer's perspective. He hasn't got any of them to do what he wanted. Going right back to the first one. And that's interesting because I want to know how the jailer got, like if Kiljaden is the one who thought he was controlling the Lich King, but the Nathrazim have worked for the have been working for Sire Denathrius and thus the jailer this whole time. Is that how that we we got to this place? Is it the Nathrazim? Um, that's that's really fascinating to me if that's true. And the jailer's response, the way the jailer comes after Bolvar and almost takes him out, like spying on this whole thing is what is very dangerous for Bolvar. Remember that um, Talia was like, "You have to do it, Father. We have to know about our friends." And she might have gotten him killed, mm-hmm. or worse. We don't know what he the jailer was even doing to him. Um, so yeah, the the being in the, it feels like for once they've actually tried to set up a story reason why we don't just go straight to the source. Like there's a whole bit where I think it Thrall, like you know, Thrall straight up says, you know, we can't just go in after them. They he's got like way more. He's got like this full scale army that we can't fight. We we can't do a full scale assault. We'll lose if we follow our hearts and rush in. We could lose everything. That's that's Thrall. Thrall is saying this. That's like fascinating to me that we've got we got to a point where Thrall is the cool headed voice of wisdom who hangs back and doesn't. Well, and I think I think it plays into the fact that I mean, and again, mild spoilers here, but it's the fact that. When Thrall is telling us this, he's been in Torghast for an indeterminate amount of mortal time. Uh, you know, it's the same thing with Bane, the same thing with Jaina. And when you rescue them and bring them back, it's, you know, the torture, the mental games, the trying to break them. Um, but it's not just that. It They talk about the shifting halls. They talk about the unending army that litters those halls. Uh, and yeah, it's sort of playing into the lore of it to sort of justify some of the endlessness and the, the game mechanics. But it makes sense. That's the center of the Jailer's power. That's where he has his forces most concentrated. And one of the interesting things, and this is something I'm going to recommend people do when, when you're going through Torghast for anything stop and look up in some of the larger areas like in the upper reaches uh and like cold is a cold heart and places like that when you're in a lot of these zones that you can look up and there's not like an immediate ceiling like you're not in tunnels or rooms it's vast and massive the room that you rescue thrall out of if you look up it continues on for what seems like forever with just cages up cages cages all of these cells and every single one of those beans that the jailer has in Torghast is kept around long enough to be broken to serve because that's sort of the general theme. It's you will serve or I will break you and you will serve your choice. Uh, one of them just means you don't scream as much, but you're still going to do yeah, it. He makes that point. You, you're already broken, but a broken tool can still be useful. Exactly. If you can get willing service out of you, great. But if not, it's really interesting to me, though, is this. The, the jailer keeps talking, going on about how, you know, he is death, but he's not. Somebody locked him in there. He's a prisoner. Yeah. And that's the fascinating thing. The the Eternal Ones locked him in. They they pinned him in there. There's just so much to this. I'm really fascinated to see how this all ends up. If we end up with, like, you know, Death Anduin or whatever. Um, I kind of don't think they'll get there. I think they might torture him and, they you know, he might come out of it looking the worst for wear. Possibly he'll look like the character in that comic because I know someone's going to ask about it. 
And that's, well, I've been screaming about that for since the expansion announced, but yeah. You know, possibly that's where it'll end up. But at any rate, he's, you know, I don't think they're going to just have him go go bad and, and turn. But I do think we're going to get to see a lot of the, you know, what is the underpinning here? Someone else made a good point, um, I think, in another one of these uh, questions. Can, can we just jump to, like, the, the points that they made that were good? Or do we actually have to, like, you know, read no, them because I think I think we can just go through them. And, and I'll, I'll say in advance, I want to give a thank you to Titan Fuzz, uh, Zolgath, and Tetsemi, and Zorthios for sending us the information and that we're going to be covering today. If we don't cover your specific question, please know that you were the catalyst for this discussion. Yeah, I want to talk about the memories that you're finding for the rune, car- rune carver. Oh yeah. I'll go for it. Um, someone made the point that he's got memories of, I think it's A&R and, um, Norgan, Norgan. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there, there's very, I was, that's a really interesting point. We've been talking about this uh, with the winter queen. Some of the memories are specific to Titans. You know, they're specific to these entities that are from our world. How does he have memories of them? What does that mean? And we know from the Winter Queen and dealing with her and her, you know, talking about my sister's pet, uh, that she very clearly has some form of recognition or knowledge of our world, which I think is fascinating because we knew nothing about anything to do with the Shadowlands until we got there, really. Lich King didn't, Bolar yeah, didn't tell tiny, us anything. Tiny little hints. Like the only, the only thing we really knew about the Shadowlands was that it, you can go to the verge of them to get a mount. And that when we died, we went to a layer of it that we were heralded back to life by Kyrian that decided to stay back. It, maybe there's more to that as well, which we can go. Yeah. I mean, the spirit healers definitely seem to be Kyrian, and that's another fascinating thing. But uh, the, the fact that, you know, we know that the Titans come from outside our reality that they're effectively yeeted into our reality, just like the old gods are. And it does make you, like, if the Jailer has, if the the Runecarver had memories of the Titans, Titans don't go to the Shadowlands when they die. That's that's canon. That's from Steve. Steve yeah. Zanuzzi. So did they have, like, meetups? Like, what? what's the deal? How does he know them? What does he remember them from? Is that's, it something where they can travel? Like, this I've been asking, I've been wondering about this a little bit, too, especially because the brokers have been getting me thinking about this. We know that you can travel between realms without just expending anima. Is it possible that beyond just the Shadowlands, there's interdimensional travel through portals, just like the brokers, that, that you know, wherever the Titans came from, about the in-between that we see when we're going to various places in the Shadowlands. Mm-hmm. In-between's like the astral plane. Yeah, I mean, very much so with the effect. It's very ethereal and very... Yeah. Well, but what if it's like the astral plane? It contacts not just the Shadowlands, but everything. It contacts other worlds, other planes as well. Well, I mean, not to get too D&D here, because this is a different cosmology, but... It's a good like, analog. There's the ethereal plane and the astral plane. The ethereal plane is wrapped around the elemental planes and the prime material plane. The astral plane is what leads to all those higher planes to the, you know, the, to the uh, prime material and they're different planes. What if that's like the twisting nether situation versus like the, the, the in between, like, you know, the in between is like the, the, it's the plane between planes. Whereas the twisting nether is like the garbage dumpster of the, of the universe. And this whole time we've been thinking that the twisting nether was the way to travel through dimensions and it is, but it is because it's like the universe's, it's like the multiverse's garbage disposal. You're not supposed to go there. It's just, yeah, it touches everything, but it's horrible. Don't go there. Use the in-between instead. Why aren't you using the in-between? It, it, it almost seems like, like, I made the point where it seemed like our, our material plane is like this weird touch point of all of these other places. And it almost feels like the twisting nether is sort of like, almost like a mirror image or, or, or kind image to the in-between, but wrong and warped because of all these things that are pressing up against it. So. It's like that whole thing, you know, the, the twisting nether, the more chaotic the nether is, the the less time seems to make sense. And if you go to the Shadowlands, especially the in-betweens, mm-hmm. the opposite way around, where there's no time in the first place. And so that, to me, is interesting. There's just finding out that somebody designed this all, like the first ones apparently created everything. It's like, what, what, is, what are they? What are they about? What's going on? And that, to me, like with the, with the rune carver having memories of the titans, there's just a lot. The, the whole point about the jailer watching us use, you know, another thing that's in the same email is about the jailer, you know, watching us use the the waystone and the shadowlands requests, so he knows it's operational. It's like interesting to me that he hasn't done anything about it. 
You know what I mean? Like yeah. You- so let's talk about like the specifics of that question is is interesting, right? And it's an interesting question. So, and I I, I don't want to say I know the answer, but I have a speculation. So during the intro quest to the mall, if you haven't done it yet, uh, I know some people are, haven't gotten quite there yet. You escape out of this waystone, and it's a waystone of the first ones that is supposed to only be able to be activated by the first one. And that's how we get to Oribos. We leave everybody else behind. Uh, Anduin does this heroic thing, gives us the time we need to escape while an army of the Jailer is making uh, is bearing down upon us. It's one of those climactic moments. But then we start going back into the Maw. And there are, there are a couple different mechanics that are, that sort of feed into this. One, when you go back to the Maw, there's nothing by the waystone. There's bodies. There's the empty shells of what you destroyed in your escape, uh, what was taken down that are left there, but there's nothing posted there. There are no gargantuan hulking beasts. There are no mossworn. There are there, there's literally nothing watching it, which is fascinating because as you do things in the maw, you have the jailer's eye mechanic where as you complete more things, the jailer gets more irritated and starts paying more attention to you and sends more things to go try to kill you. But why? Why is there nothing preventing you from getting out? Why is he only worried about you as you're doing things? And my theory is it's because he doesn't care. He doesn't have to care. He got what he's looking for. Because at the end of that cinematic, when you're escaping and Anduin sacrificing himself, the jailer sits, like has this look on his face like, oh, Oh, that's what I've been looking for. And just grabs all those folks. And Anduin's the target. He's the prize. Everybody else is sort of like incidental bonus items out of the, the, the Gabachon machine. Um, he doesn't care. He doesn't care how many souls you rescue. He doesn't care how many night elves you rip out of the Maw and bring back to Ardenweld or the other places. Because it's a drop in the bucket animal-wise. Everything that dies is still going straight into the Maw. All of that anima that Revendreth had saved up, which is massive. And if you do the raid, do the, the looking for group, you go into the, the anima store. It basically looks like that scene in Star Wars where you're looking at, they, they show the Death Star and the energy that's required to fire the laser. It's like that. It's vast containers of endless anima, anima that they've been collecting for years and eons or time indeterminate flooding into the Maw as well. Uh, he doesn't care. We get, what, maybe at this point 25, 30 souls that we've rescued? What does that matter to him? We're killing things that he's created that aren't his favorite things. His most prized possession, most of his army, the bulk of his army is in Torghast. When we go in there and and kill things, he does actively try to kill us because we're in his domain. We're in his private sanctum, but he's still got Anduin. He doesn't care what we do elsewhere until it becomes problematic for him in some capacity. And I think that's why he doesn't guard the Waystone. I think that's why he doesn't care how many souls we rescue, because it doesn't matter. He got what he was looking for. What do you think? That's certainly part of it. I, in fact, that's that's pretty close to where I was going to go with it. I think we what we've seen is that he is willing to do, like, he's he is the kind of person who is willing to do anything to, to achieve his goal. It doesn't matter how much havoc or just, he basically... The Jailer is interesting in that the Jailer is the ultimate expression of the Sylvanas mindset. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's actually like the objective correlative of the past two expansions in the form of a big spiky dude with no chest. With a big hole in his chest. Sorry, he has a chest. Just like a big hole in it. <laughs> the, uh, the Jailer is, like, as you just said, he doesn't care. I think to the point where he actually kind of wants us to keep doing the stuff we're doing. He keeps us uh, busy. He not just, doesn't just keep us busy. He... He is not afraid of us, but I think he definitely has a purpose for us. Mm-hmm. And he says as much, right? Yeah. The more that we come in and out of the maw, the more that we use that waystone, the more opportunity he gets to observe us using it so he can figure out, okay, what is it doing? Why does it work for them? Uh, he gets to, not just that, he gets to play around with the psychology of us. What are we, what are we motivated to do? When will we do it? How do we do it? It's like watching a bug. You know, you're, you've got this thing, you're, you're putting it through its trials, trying to figure out what its behavior is. And also, it's, it's, it's another point of reference. He's already studied the ones he already captured and tortured. He knows what they're about. He's got Anduin, and he's clearly working on him. But we were there, too. And we were the one that came in after them. What is that all about? Um, 
And I think you need to see it a little bit. Like when when he's do, doing what he's doing, and Sylvanas makes the point about how they've they've lost. Uh, Oh bloody heck, Denathrius, mm-hmm. and he, the jailer just dismisses Denathrius like he's nothing. He, all yeah. souls have their purpose. Yeah, is what he and says, right? It's weird. It's weird because that's like what everybody says. That's what they say in Oribos. The purpose guides all actions. Everything has a purpose. Everything is part of the purpose. The purpose is everything, and he seems to believe it too. Except for him, the purpose is getting out. Well, maybe not just getting out, but I mean, I think it's getting out to complete whatever he feels is his purpose. I think it's yeah. grander than that. Because, well, yeah, exactly. Because then we go back to the whole thing about how he's going to claim Azeroth. Why? Like, what? What's yeah, so why? special about what, it? Is he from Azeroth? Are they all from Azeroth? Or not just Azeroth? Are they from our world? Is that where all these beings come from originally? They didn't die; they're eternal ones. But did they originally come from somewhere else? So I, I you know, this is something I've been wondering for a while, and I'm going to run this by you. And and some of this is feeding into it, and I don't know how how close it is. But way back when, when Rathian talked about building the final, rebuilding the final Titan, the rebuilding part's what's been sticking in my brain for a very very long time because. It, none of it didn't make sense with everything else because these titans were just beings. They were just things that existed, and you didn't really rebuild them. They regenerated, right? They were born, uh, even if they were hurled into this this you know prime material plane from somewhere else. But what if it's more than that? What if all of this stemmed from that sort of that same idea? Uh, that we talked about with Diablo lore and Diablo uh, cosmology, where everything started as one thing. Because all of the Titans, when you break them down, they're all aspects of something. They all have a specific sphere of influence. None of them are complete by themselves, technically. Only as a whole group do they balance each other out in any way, shape, or form. But when you look at them, they're not quite balanced. They're missing pieces. But when you start looking at the Pantheon of Death, some of those missing pieces start falling into place. And you have the hubris and greed and emotionality that a lot of them don't seem to have when you look at Denathrius. You have that sense of loyalty and honor that you get with uh, Kyresta the Firstborn. You get that cold uh, presence of purpose and uh, duty sort of with the Winter Queen. We don't know what the Primus was, but I'm wondering if these memories of the Primus that we're giving back to him, the reason he has these memories of all these things is because at one point they were all interlinked. They were all either one pantheon or one being. And if Azeroth is the centerpiece, and I often joke about this with like Gestalt robots and uh, from Transformers or Voltron or anything you want to put. There's always a bigger centerpiece that everything attaches to. That's how it always works in these things. What if that's kind of what's going on here? We don't know what Azeroth's purpose is. We know that Azeroth is incomplete. Azeroth is wounded. But it's important to everyone, it seems. It seems like it's important to the Pantheon. It was important to Sargeras at an instinctual level. It's important to the Jailer, possibly because he knows more or is closer to that than some of the others. We talk about Kyresta giving up memories. Maybe she gave up the memory of what she was before. And what if that's why the Winter Queen won't talk about it? Maybe that's one of the memories that the Primus no longer has or what was extracted from the Primus and used by the Jailer. Uh, what if that is part of why Denothrius says you have no idea what you're doing? This is so much bigger than you can even possibly imagine. What if that's what he's alluding to? It, it just seems like all of these entities we're dealing with are pieces of a whole, but not entirely a whole themselves. Does that make sense? Well, unfortunately, you've mentioned the Diablo cosmology, so now we have to talk about the concept of emanations. <laughs> Go for um, it. In, in in Kabbalism, and I'm going to make this as simple as possible, so if you're like an actual Kabbalist scholar, thanks for reading, I mean, listening to our podcast, Gerhard Shalom. But anyway, um, in Kabbalism, you start off with the original, the, the, the limitless light, the Ain. And then the Ain divides itself so that it can actually look upon itself from another perspective. And that's the Ain Sof. And that causes the Ain Sof ore to, to form at that point. And I know I'm, I'm, this is just for purposes of the discussion. It's, it's way too simplistic. And yeah, this is, this is the fast and dirty version of it. We're, yeah. please, please take this with a grain of salt. But 
when you do that, that's very similar to what in, in, in Warcraft terms, when the cosmos was formed, it was supposedly formed when the light looked upon itself and formed eddies, and the eddies were the void. The void was the places where the light suddenly wasn't because it was concentrating in other areas instead of just being everywhere, which is what its original state was. <sighs> we know that the light has a purpose and a will and that its purpose and will is almost exactly negated by the void. The void is like everything that the light isn't and vice versa. But here's, here's a thought. This is something I want you to think about. The light would have had a, if the light now has a purpose and a will, it would have had a purpose and a will when it, the universe was created, right? One would imagine. What if the formation of that purpose and the will was the point where the light and the void split off? Mm -hmm. That's the emanation. That's when they, they go from all things and therefore nothing to two separate things. One that is very strict in purpose and another that sees everything as a possibility. Two very but diametrically forget, opposed things. That because that's, that's now. Yeah. That's not then. At the point when the light created the void, because the light created the void... The void was created by the light in this cosmology. The, the void was made by the light concentrating itself. So there were places it didn't touch anymore. And that, that separation in, in Kabbalism, that's how you, the, the concept of definition is when things can have discrete existence. If you go high enough up the, up the tree, you know, the, the tree of life, the, the various, you know, from Kether to Malkuth, if you go up towards Kether, the closer you get to Kether, the less individual existence you have. Mm-hmm. You, because you can't you, you you if everything is all the light there's nothing else yeah it's basically sublimation of individuality or if, something like if that right? there's no not just individuality but individual existence right if if you can't even have a shadow because you, there's nothing to cast a shadow in order for there to be a like it in order for shadows to be cast things have to exist to block the light and it's that existence that creates void what if the void exists because the light wanted to create something that wasn't it? Yeah, and you know, and the, and the void itself. Now, now think about what that would be. If you are all things, you're everything. The entire cosmos is just you. To use Marvel Comics analogy from the old '80s Secret Wars thing, if the Beyonder looked around at his universe and there was nothing but the Beyonder in it, because the Beyonder was everything in that universe, and then it decided to want to, it wanted to have an individual existence boom that's the point where you don't you're not everything anymore but you know and that's that's kind of where i was going with this because it almost feels like that would fit with something that would be the jailer's ultimate goal and what would be a huge sin in the eyes of everything that has now has a sense of existence because if you think about it the void ultimately seeks to break everything down into nothingness mm -hmm. nothingness is not the pro is not the original primordial state of the cosmos in the Warcraft universe, the primordial state of the cosmos is is limitless light. The light was first. Mm -hmm. In the Warcraft cosmos, there was no void that then said, let there be light. And the, it's the other way around. In the Warcraft cosmos, there's infinite light. And the infinite light was like, hmm, what if I wasn't everywhere? And it's the contraction principle, Simsum, from Kabbalism again. It's, it's the idea of the light deliberately pulling itself in to allow other things to exist. And in that moment, creating its opposites. If we take what you're what you're asking, I don't think that I don't. I think it goes back to it doesn't go back to individuals the way you're asked. You're talking about like where the where the Rune Carver or slash Primus, whoever it is, used to be in a group with the Titans. I don't. I think it's more along the lines of yeah. like at one point everything was was co-related because everything was one thing. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was getting at. Is like th that everything became pieces of that the whole. First ones. The first ones would have been. The, literally the first ones and then the first ones stopped existing as they further separated yeah like when when the first ones existed the cosmos wasn't in any form yet but they then were they the formed things, it they were the thoughts by which the universe the light decided to create reality and the light we have now the holy light or whatever you want to call it is not the light we had before mm -hmm. because that light create contained within it all possibilities that light was the void too do you see where I'm going with that? Like the concept is yeah. the void isn't, but that's, that's kind of, that's you're, you're basically going exactly where I was trying to get with this is, is this concept of 
it's an older trope and it's one that we've seen in a lot of, of other uh, places. And, and, and I'll go with a pop culture reference that I think is, is, is almost apt here. And it's the, the dogma movie where Bartleby just wants to go home and he does awful things to just go home. Uh, this huge cockamamie scheme, uh, all this tragedy, all this heartache, all this destruction that he reaps you know, just to go back home. It almost feels like that's something similar to me, at least when looking at the jailer, because if he just wants to bring everything back together again, he wants to go home. It also fits with the idea of why Sylvanas would kind of go along with it, because when everything's together, there's no more death because there's no more life. It's all one thing. There is no cycle anymore because you've gone back to the original state planets, individual pieces of that, the void, all these horrible things that have existed, all these tragedies that have been visited upon all of reality stop to exist because it all molds back together into one. But I can also see where all these entities that were created from, you know, that point down, like you were talking about, wouldn't want that. You know, well, importantly, here's the thing to consider when we're talking about that in, in the original, in the, the capitalistic mindset, the universe exists because this cosmic mind decided it wanted to understand itself. Mm hmm. It went from I am everything and therefore I am nothing and there is nothing to know because it's just me to dividing itself in order to create variation, which is the only way one can know oneself. There, can, there has to be a self for the cosmos to know itself. What you're talking about, if it is the goal of the jailer or Solanus or anybody, would be cosmic suicide. Yeah. It's the universe dying. It's what the void wants. Kind of, but not the in void, the same manner, though, right? No, like, it's not in the same manner. The Void wants ultimate universal abrogation. They want never nothing to exist mm -hmm. and just nothing to exist. So they would exist and nothing else would. They want, they, they're basically the cosmos's self-destruction in form. But that's not the same thing as death. Mm -hmm. Because they, they want to exist. True cosmic death, nothing would exist. And that nothing includes the nothing of the void that the void is madness in a way because it is that level of self-destruction as a principle but at the same time it's also potential and possibility because you can only accomplish things when you're willing to accomplish them it's when you're it's when you're willing to go beyond what you know mm -hmm. and that's there's the interesting dichotomy and the interesting contrast between those forces but Going through all of it, we don't, we still don't know that this is what the jailer is up to, up to doing. We we don't know much at all about what he's up to. But it is interesting to consider the possibility that the reason that the jailer says it's said multiple times that the, you know, the jailer is coming to claim the soul of Azeroth is to achieve something along the lines of what both Sargeras and the Void wanted. Sargeras wanted to bring Azeroth forth as as a you know kind of corrupted fell titan like himself. Um, the void wants to create a void titan. It's possible what he wants is a death titan, and that he wants the death titan as his. It's possibly what he was trying to do the first time. Whatever got him put in the void, we don't know what got him put there in the maw, trapped there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why is he there? They, the, we know that the eternal ones put him there. They say so. They locked him in, including Denathrius. At one point, apparently, Denathrius thought this was the way to go. And now suddenly he's talking about like the change is coming and we're going to have this whole. Like, what did the jailer tell him? What did he offer him? What is Denathrius getting out of this? You know, obviously it's going to be a change in the status quo of the Shadowlands. What is it? Why does he want it? I think that's a really interesting thing to think about in terms of what we're talking about. If, if there was once some kind of unity, some kind of combined force, some kind of entity that was all things that it split itself up to try and understand itself better in some way what's the end game of all this is the end game of all this that there would be nothing that you return to like one you know we, we all turn back into like one cosmic force or is it a complete shift of the rules and if so how there's a lot to this um denathrius does not strike me as the kind of guy who'd want a cosmos anymore like you why he opposed the jailer before? Why isn't he opposing him now? You know, and I've been thinking about that too. And it, but I think it's also a limitation of who Denathrius is, and I think it goes back into that sort of splitting of the individual personas, because 
every single one of the Eternal Ones, the, the Pantheon of Death, has a very niche like personality trait like Denathrius seems to be all about sort of like sensation he's a sensate it's it's this decadence it's this feeling it's this you know such delights and and everything else uh but where do you go after an indeterminate you, you just made me think of this just now that we they don't time doesn't exist there right uh-huh and they've all been there for who knows how long mm-hmm. what if the process is ongoing like you start off as this cosmic entity that is everything, but then you, you deliberately contract yourself so that there are things that are not you anymore so you can know yourself. Mm-hmm. And in the process, you create other things. Denathrius, back when they first did whatever they did, hadn't been in charge of Revendreth all that long. No. Mor- mortal souls keep showing up, and those mortal souls have with them the experience of being mortal. Um, that's the whole thing is like the idea is that, you know, every individual being you run into is like a, is like a part of the experiment for lack of a better word. It's part of the test. Mm-hmm. It's a part of the, the self test trying to know yourself. They're like thoughts. Denathrius has been exposed to the worst that mortal beings have to offer for endlessness an eternal tide of them. The and sin consuming, of them. consuming that sin, ingesting yeah. it. While, you know, we talked about the Archon. The Archon has been ripping people's memories away from them this entire time to purify them. And she herself doesn't remember anything beyond her creation. Uh, the Winter Queen, we, we know that when the first mortal soul showed up and the Winter Queen was like, why are you here? And then she put them to work because she didn't really have anything else to do with them. But she didn't put them there. You know, they showed up. And that's bef- is that before the Arbiter or did the Arbiter start sending them there? Why is the Arbiter doing anything? Why is it like completely impossible? Like we know for a fact that the Archon's people are still sending souls to the Maw. And what's interesting about that is like they can't even seem to think about what else to do. Like they don't understand that. Okay, that's bad. We shouldn't do that. Well, which is interesting because like we talk, uh, we talked about the Bastion uh, stuff a little bit last week, uh, and I guess we can bring it up again. Like you do that whole thing where. Uh, two weeks ago, excuse me, where like you are sent to go get a recently, you know, transitioned mortal soul from Azeroth and take it to the Arbiter. And that's when the Kyrian realizes that the Arbiter is out of commission, but the soul still goes to the Maw. You know, that's a weird hiccup, I guess would be the best way to put it. Why is that the default? Why Why is Why is going to the obulet of the uh, spirit realm the default setting? Like, it's fascinating. Why is there a giant soul fountain in Orbos that goes directly to the Maw? Do not pass go. Do not do, you know. And the Arbiter sits in it and normally blocks people away from it. Uh-huh. Is what if the Maw is? I don't know how to put this. What the Maw is a prison. The Maw is a prison now. The Maw is a place where things are confined now. But it doesn't have to. Like, what if there's a the reason that they put him there? was because he was already there and whatever yep. he was originally doing did that to it. And what if part of that was, cause we don't know when the jailer was locked away there, but I've been all, this is something I asked a couple weeks ago and I, and I bring this up a lot. The shadowlands as a whole is chunks of floating pieces. What if everything was part of one whole land, much like Kalimdor back in the day, when everything was one big, like, Pangea-style continent, what if that's what it was in the Shadowlands originally? What if, because, like, in the Maw, you have all of these different pieces that look like they belong in the other realm. You have bits of, of ruined architecture that looks like it's from Revendreth. You have bits of ruined architecture that looks like it's from Ardenwell and Bastion. You have uh, Soul Gates, or whatever they're called, that have replaced the Spirit Healers. You, ha- you have a First One's Gate. None of the other regions have a first one's gate and i'm gonna i would love to point that out none of them do only the maw does and it leads straight to oribos and oribos is very much a construction it does not look like it slots in with everything else it's clean lines round uh very much for lack of a better term man-made that obviously didn't always exist but what if all the other realms were butted up against each other at one point? What if whatever they did to lock him away created those other realms? Uh, and that's where these entities were born into these realms is that moment. And that's why they don't remember anything else. They remember their birth. They didn't know what mortal souls were because they weren't clued into the process and then just kind of figured it out later. They didn't get instruction manual with their new land. This idea 
is that they do remember locking him away. Yeah, but what if what if they were necessary to finish the lock? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but no, they did it. This was something that they did. It's a decision. They're not components. That's my problem with what you're saying. I don't have a problem with the with the, the ideas about the realms, but I think the realms existed in some fashion before all this. It just there's there's a lot to it that we don't know yet. Oh, I, yeah, and I agree. And that's what's really fascinating to me is like this idea of the more the other thing is the more isn't central. No, it's not. It's all. If it's you look kind of on off the, the shadow, it's, it's off to the side. But uh, I've been thinking a lot about the fact that there are so many doors in Oribos. Mm-hmm. I think Oribos was made first, and I think after Oribos was made, like they made all those connections. They they obviously made. I think like those realms existed. But what if there wasn't? They weren't realms yet, and they weren't separate yet. The Maw was the next place that got made, or the whatever Maw it was rem- before the Maw. The Maw is the remnant of whatever was made next. Mm-hmm. Like, Cause the two connect. If, if Oribos was the place, the first ones operated from when they were making the Shadowlands, the Maw could be, I'm trying to think of the right way to put this. If Oribos is like their control center, <clears throat> the Maw might be the draft place, the CAD for lack of a better word. Cause it's, it's, we, we have the, the, the Emerald Dream, which used to be considered kind of like the, the building, like the design stage of Azeroth. And it's clearly linked to Ardenweald, which is itself like it's a realm in the Shadowlands, but it links to the Emerald Dream, which is supposedly the design base for Azeroth. What if that's because the Arden, you know, the Emerald Ardenweald is effectively that for the Shadowlands? And then I start thinking about, but then the Maw exists. The Maw. What if the Maw was supposed to be like there's supposed to be this this hyper realm you're talking about, kind of like you know like a place where these things all exist in, in simultaneous place, where you have elements of Revendreth, you have elements of Ardenweald, you have elements of Bastion, you have elements of Maldraxxus. They all should coexist in one world. None of these realms are in balance. You know, and that's and that's what I was kind of, I guess, hinting at, or at least trying to get to. It, because it, 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 the thing that's been bothering me since we started this is going back to that first one's way gate because it it doesn't exist anywhere else. It is nowhere else but there. And what if that's the reason the Maw is like the default place? What if that was the original Sorting Hat? What if, even if these realms weren't so touched or connected? There's there's things that like I keep keying off of. They keep talking about these realms are you know our allies. They're our closest allies, and you need to go and do this and that. And it seems like you can go between the realms, and it looks like everything goes between Oribos now to get there. But what if that wasn't always the case? What if the natural order of things was, maybe it was the reverse. Maybe the Maw came first and Oribos was created later to sort of replicate what was lost. You know, what if everything went to the Maw first and then went to the different realms because all the realms were interconnected? Because we know, like I said, the Broker's can move between realms without using the Oribos system. They can go basically anywhere, and we know that they can definitely reach out into the Prime Material Plane because they have captives that are well. They not send. In the they even. Lands. They even send you. They yeah. send you through one of their portals. Yeah, there certainly is a lot to that to consider on that idea. I just keep coming back to this concept of I don't know how to put this. What if we're looking at the the mirror inverse of what we used to think the, the Emerald Dream Azeroth relationship was? And the Emerald Dream might be the Emerald Dream all like living things relationship for all I know. And like the Maw is the place where like it was supposed to exist. And when that got destabilized or destroyed or whatever, they had to create something new. And obviously, the Eternals seem to be aware of the first ones. Yeah. Like, the Jailer is aware of the first ones. He, not just in a kind of, oh, they existed way, but in a, I knew them. You know, Which, like the, the secret they sought to hide. What secret were they hiding? Who were they that they were hiding secrets mm-hmm. from you in the first place? Like, wh- what was your purpose? Why did you exist? Did the Titans exist in Azeroth's reality in the same way? Did, they, did you get thrown into the Shadowlands from some other plane of existence? Or did a first one break themselves down by making that decision and thus was born whatever we have in the Shadowlands with all these different entities? But there doesn't necessarily mean that there weren't other first ones that they interacted with. What if that had something to do with some of the creations of the other realms out there? Because that's the thing, right? Like, 
going back to the cosmology chart, we have all of these other realms that we haven't touched. We have an arcane realm. We have, you know, a realm of light. We have all these different pieces that we have not visited. And we don't know how they're set up. We don't know if maybe all of the first ones went in further I don't want to say decimated themselves, but further divided, like you were talking about earlier, like that ongoing process of continued division, because I think Revendeth is a really great example of that. You continue to see that because Denathrius, maybe the first beings he created were, you know, the Nathrazim, because they bear the stri most striking resemblance. But the Nathrazim are somewhere in between Denathrius and the Venthyr. And if you look at the Venthyr, they're created in like a, a lesser, but, you know, Peace, like even the Council of Venthyr, they have specific spheres of influence, and it almost seems like, again, like you're saying, there's that further delineation, and that's an ongoing process. What if that's the secret? What if the secret is everything used to be, and I hate to bring it back to it, but like that they were all born from one entity that was born from one entity that was born from one entity, that continued delineation. Uh, I could see why they would want to make sure that things didn't know that. I would I could definitely see how keeping that a secret would benefit the rest of the other realms, because then there's also that incentive. You have an entire to bring Maldraxxus into this. We've seen what happens when they get bored, when they're tired of fighting amongst themselves. They go raid other realms. Well, if they knew that there were other realms out there beyond the Shadowlands that they could go and touch, would they? Would they well, be that? They do know that, though. But do they That's know where that they the, all come from? They know that they come from another realm of existence. But do they know about the arcane realm? Do they know about the realm of nature? Do they know about the all these that, other places? I mean, it seems fairly likely that they do since they've actually been argued that they've defended against void is, invasions before. Is that the promise that they were made that got them on board with the jailer that they could go and take care, take care of these places that they could go on conquest? Like, I mean, the, it's, we don't really know anything about that. The Maldraxxus stuff. Um, it's actually kind of interesting, though. To, the idea that I, I feel like we're getting too far into the idea of, you know, everything was made from something that was made from something that was sure, made from something. Possibly. When I think that it's simpler. Okay. That. I think that basically what you have is the consequence of an entity wanting to exist. The consequence is that other things now exist. When you, you, when you split up, when you, you know, to go back to the Diablo cosmology, um, when when the diamond warrior Anu pulled all the evil out of itself and threw it aside so that it could be achieve perfection, the evil coalesced into another being, Tathamet, who then battled Anu and the two destroyed each other. But that's if you're using that concept um, where you're trying to purify or become perfect. If you're just trying to learn, then there isn't that necessary conflict in that same way. The Void's conflict seems to be from the fact that the light wants to make everything into one thing. The Light essentially wants to return to a state where everything was the Light. But the Void doesn't want that. The Void wants to enter into a state where nothing exists. And everything is possible, but nothing actually ever happens. It's the happening that the Void has problems with. Mm -hmm. Once something happens, once it has... And think about the Shadowlands exists free of this. There's no time in the Shadowlands, so things don't enter that state. There's no progression. So of course the Void wants to invade it. I think there's like certain amount of why do you make the Shadowlands in the first place? Why is it necessary? What is anima all about? Why mm -hmm. is this something that exists in the first place? And that I think is the thing that that we're, we'll touch upon the great secret of the uh, of the first ones is why they did this at all. And did they do it elsewhere? Does Azeroth exist because the first ones did something there? Are the first ones? confined to the Shadowlands, or are they cross-multiversal? Do they make everything? What are they? And that's something I'm thinking about a lot in terms of, you know, you, you seem to have been intimating that there was a first one that became the various members of the Pantheon of Death, that it split itself up further and became these figures. And that's one of the reasons why they don't remember or choose to remember beyond a certain point. Maybe. That's possible. I mean, I don't know. But I do think it's interesting to think about if the first one's are related to the eternal ones if they're related to the titans are there and are they related to the void lords because we still are don't know related? anything about those right like nope, we, we know we... nothing about the void lords are they related to the naru we know that the naru can come forth into revendreth and attack it we know that they can basically go where they want to go yeah um, through, through how time, are they space, doing and reality it? yeah yeah how are they doing that are they going through the in-between um do they have that ability have they been is that how naru dimension ships work 
what are the Naru that they have a light cycle and a void cycle? Is that like, think about what that actually states. Are they like being so are they holdovers from like the universe before that the split? Are they creations from after who made them if they're creations? Mm -hmm. And all of this comes back to around this idea that there's a ton of cosmology. We don't actually know or understand yet. There's a lot going on. Even, even the jailers, taking of of Charlemagne and turning it into something if that's what happened and again i know you, you said you can see it i can't see it but i take your word for it because i mean i am legal if he's doing that why is he doing that why why didn't he just make a new one why did he just choose to take anduin's sword and, and change that which i mean i think i think part of that too is because again it boils back to what you were talking with or talking about before where it has to be a choice well yeah that's but think his about, father's weapon about, right he's tied it's not just it. his father's weapon what it's two weapons mm -hmm. joined together mm -hmm. into one they were two once they weren't and it weren't they were created as one weapon that was then split into two they were created as two separate blades that were then recombined they were yeah. combined into one thing that they were not before Shal what is it Shal Shalator and Alamein right yeah Shal Shalator and Alamein were two different swords that were both given to the two different variants the two different variants were were one being who was split into two and then recombined into one but the swords were just two separate swords that were combined into one yeah that's a, a new that's a new existence for that sword they, they didn't exist as a sword it, because it was two swords yeah and that's and that's kind of like part of that is why I started going down that road about everything boiling back into one or that sort of thing because there, there's a thematically it seems but like maybe it's not boiling back into one or maybe not, it's going from think, one to the other the reverse no, no 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 listen what if it is that he there was a way things were and the way things were is what led to the way things are if you don't want the way things are and you don't want to go back to the way things were you need to make a new thing all you can make it out of are the parts you have. For the universe is... We're, we're talking about being in the Shadowlands this whole time. We've been talking about anima and death. We're not really talking about one of the things we've seen a lot of, the House of Constructs, where they, they, they take corpses and make weapons out of them. The weapons he's using, all the soul-forged abominations, he's using people as parts. He's using souls as parts. Mm -hmm. He's necromant. It's necromancy. It's necromancy on a cosmic scale. Yeah, which is he wants to create. If he wants to create, quote unquote, a death titan, what is he going to use it for? And the the truth is, the death titan titan will be the building block of the new universe that he's going to make, which is a dead one that he has stitched together. That it's not that he wants to recombine it. He doesn't want to join everybody together. He wants them all dead so he can use them as parts. He wants existence dead so he can use it as parts because that's what he's doing anyway. Everything he's doing with all those souls that come flooding into the maw, ultimately he's using them as parts. Yes. So it's a stitched together Frankensteinian creation. It's not the cosmos that was. He wants the secret the first ones had. The first ones had the secret of how to make things live, the how to make things exist. He wants to reverse engineer it. He wants to make a dead version of it. Something that will never change. It will never. It will just be the Shadowlands everywhere, forever. And it will never change. It will never be more of it. There will never be anything new. Why does he want that? Did he always want that? Is that what he tried to do in the first place? Is that why they locked him away? And what does it mean? Like, there's a ton of this we don't know. Yet, but that's what's interesting to me about this concept is that the concept is it's the opposite of the Void because the Void likes potential and possibility and wants more stuff. The Void's terrified of too much you know, limitation, too much stagnation. The light wants light. It wants to illuminate. It wants to bring the light to truth. This is not that either, because this is the just the death of everything. It's it's a world where there is no possibility. There's no potential. You, you've you've gotten rid of all of it. You've made complete and utter uniformity out of it. It's very similar to Sargeras. It's order without any regard to anything else. You know, and that's an interesting thing too, because like we we know hearsay what what Sargeras saw. What did he see that sent him on his path? What did he really? What was the truth that was revealed to him? Well, whatever it was, he got it from talking to the Nathrism, mm -hmm. and or where dealing they, like... with dealing with the Nathrism, trying to get rid of them, trying to stop them. 
And where did he likely, and, and where did we can speculate that they got it through Sire Denathrius or whatever that plan was. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Super. It all comes together at some point. There, there's there's threads here. There's threads here that we can we can definitely start pulling on that I think are going to start weaving together real dang soon. Uh, but we are a little bit over time. Is there anything else you want to add before we call it good? You, you already thanked people for sending the emails, but I definitely want to comment that thank you guys for the emails because we, we kind of went on it. Um, <laughs> yeah, seriously. And, and, and that's the thing. Like one of the... Last week's show, we tried to do a little more speculation and less straight question answering. You're probably going to get a little bit more of that. But if you have concepts or questions for the show, send them in. We might wind up doing something like this with them, but we definitely read them. We definitely pay attention to them. And you can send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. If you don't want to do email uh, or if you want to make sure that you can uh, get them to us in a uh, more other visible way, we do have several discord channels that you can go ahead and reach out to us on uh patreons obviously get preferential treatment as a way of saying thank you for getting to support us uh but blizzard watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzard watch your continued support means this podcast lighting community is able to thrive and grow blizzard watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience and with that folks we'll see you next week <laughs>